Good morning. It's 11 minutes before 7 a.m. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Thursday, December 23, 2021. I'm Peter Apathy with Raven News. Sitka has reported five new coronavirus cases since Monday, according to data from the Alaska Department of Health and Social Services. The new cases keep Sitka in high alert, with 20 cases reported in the last seven days. This means that masks remain required in public indoor spaces. The number of hospitalizations reported in Sitka shot up to 31 on Monday, but today the number had decreased back to 28 again. KCAW has reached out to the Department of Health and Social Services for more information on the reporting discrepancies. The state will issue its next COVID report on Monday the 27th due to the upcoming holiday weekend. The state is not renewing its contracts for COVID-19 testing at airports in Alaska. According to the Department of Health and Social Services, the last day for tests provided under these contracts will be January 31st. Early on, earlier on in the pandemic, the state mandated testing for people coming to Alaska from out of state. At the end of April, testing became optional. Since June of 2020, the health department estimates that airport tests have detected more than 6,000 people with COVID-19. Airport testing in Sitka has been available but is not widely used by airline passengers. According to data from the city's COVID dashboard, of the more than 900 people who flew into the Sitka Rocky Gutierrez Airport last week, fewer than 70 people received coronavirus testing. The Sitka Fish and Game Advisory Committee is calling for more funding for ADF&G staff to improve the department's herring research. The Sitka Advisory Committee has spent five meetings and 16 hours addressing Southeast herring proposals that will be reviewed by the Alaska Board of Fisheries this January. During those meetings, the committee learned the state's model for managing the Sitka Sound Sacro herring fishery incorporates data collected more than two decades ago. And while the data need to be updated, the department doesn't have the staff to do the work. In the letter, the advisory committee specifically mentions a study re-evaluating the fishery that was conducted in 1998. Data collected during that study include the most recent survey of unfished biomass. When the committee asked for updated data on the unfished biomass at a meeting in November, ADF&G biologist Sherry Dressel said the department couldn't provide it. The last, the last one was the analysis was done in 1998. Um, and we had been working on it. We then lost our staff person, and we, at this point, um, have not gotten a staff person back. So being short-staffed, we have not completed that since the last Board of Fish. In its letter to the Board of Fisheries, the Advisory Committee commends the work ADF&G staff do to manage the fishery, but without more staffing and updated data, the committee believes that state biologists' ability to provide the best available science is limited. The letter states, quote, this creates doubt in the accuracy of the data, along with the model and associated threshold levels, as well as the whole overall herring harvest strategy. These concerns only degrade public trust and threaten the integrity of the entire process. The advisory committee writes that the overall herring harvest strategy must be recalibrated to reflect changing conditions in the ocean ecosystem that have been occurring for the last two decades. Southeast Alaska's regional tribal government will pilot its new broadband internet program in Wrangell, which it says will be available to everyone on the island. KSTK's Sage Smiley reports. 
Last year, the Federal Communications Commission opened up a special program to allow rural tribes to secure broadband licenses to improve connectivity. Hundreds of tribes applied, more than a third in Alaska. The Central Council of Klinka and Haida Indian Tribes of Alaska announced on December 17th that it got its license. In a nutshell, the FCC has granted the regional tribe exclusive use of a mid-band broadband spectrum in a number of southeast communities. Chris Cropley, one of Klinka and Haida's network architects, says it's for the 2.5 gigahertz spectrum, the same tech used by cell phone LTE networks. We're starting in Wrangell. It's the perfect, it's the Goldilocks, as they say, right? Um, so it's got everything going for it. We've got, we've got a lot of people there, relatively. We, have the two, we own the 2.5 there, and we have funding for it. The tribe is calling its broadband service Tidal Network. It'll just be home internet, not mobile data service. But all the same, it'll need to build its own towers so that wireless internet can be broadcast directly to homes and businesses that don't already have reliable internet access. Anywhere that's already served, we're not interested in serving. So if you have a cable modem to your house, fiber optic to your house, if you've got good service to your home or downtown, uh, we're, we're not really super interested in replacing that with something else. We're not looking to displace DCI or ACS or AT&T or anybody, right? Wrangell is ideal because there are people with spotty service, he says. Cropley says residents living towards the southern end of the 14-mile stretch of Zamovia Highway would be good candidates for a tidal network. Cropley says that when the FCC opened applications for broadband licenses to rural tribes, Klinka and Haida worked together with other tribes to apply for areas not already being applied for by the local tribal entities. That way, they wouldn't overlap. Once the service is in place, Klinka and Haida will be required to defend it, meaning they have to offer internet service to 80% of the area's population within the first two years of holding the license and full coverage after five years. Klinka and Haida began working to get its license back in 2019, and federal pandemic relief it's received since will help pay for the project that Cropley says will begin small and portable. We are buying two what we call cows sell on wheels, um, and they are towers on uh, on a trailer with a generator and, and a little cabinet underneath, and they extend out, and we're able to stand them up, and they have radio microwave on them, and they accept fiber optic, and we're able to wire them up or wireless them up, and begin starting to provide service on, on those towers. Permanent towers can cost upwards of half a million dollars and come with miles of red tape. Cropley says the pieces are already in place to get started now, though. He says he has a multi-million dollar budget headed to wrangle for the pilot broadband project, but declines to say precisely how much. Once the details are worked out, it'll operate as a subscription service with different plans, just like any other internet provider. Cropley says the goal is to provide the best possible internet at the lowest possible price. I don't want to be like, oh, we're, you know, we're going to come in and blow everybody's you know, internet away. We're, we're just looking at finding the most people with the least internet or no internet, ideally, and providing them internet where they didn't have it before, where they had to use a satellite. The pilot project in Wrangell is just that, a test. It'll help flush out the program, from the tech itself to collaboration with other vendors, policies, and provide training to title network employees. There's a reason that, that somebody isn't already doing this, right? There, there's no gold mine at the end of the road here. Um, it, it is a service. With cooperation from Wrangell's local government and tribal government, the Wrangell Cooperative Association, Cropley says Klinka and Haida hopes to have the network up and running by spring of 2022. And after piloting the program in Wrangell, Cropley says they hope to expand to more than 20 other Southeast Alaska communities in the coming years. In Wrangell, 
I'm Sage Smiley. Crab shortages and inflation are hitting seafood restaurants across the country. And for the first time since the 1990s, the Bristol Bay Red King Crab season is closed. As KTOO's Lindsay Berlini reports, it's forcing one Juno King Crab restaurant to make some tough decisions. Tracy's King Crab Shack has served Alaskan King Crab below market price for years, but the restaurant isn't able to do that anymore. Owner Tracy Labarge says prices have gone up 100 percent. I mean, it's not a small, a small increase. It's double what it was in 2019. So that's been a tough one to take. She says that crab shortages and inflation are making the price of crab and all seafood go up. Those crab shortages are being caused by multiple factors. One of the biggest ones in Alaska is that there's just not as many crabs. This year, all major stocks of crab in Bristol Bay were low, not just king crab. Forrest Bowers manages commercial fisheries for the Department of Fish and Game. He says that the number of mature male and female crabs has been declining for years. Mature crabs are the ones that reproduce, and over the last 12 years, fewer and fewer crabs are reaching that age. You know, in general, the reasons why productivity could be low are that is that environmental conditions are unfavorable. It's not just the environment. Bowers says there's a lot of factors coming into play. But the end result of that is that this year, Fishing Game closed the Red King crab season in Bristol Bay. And that closure has a direct impact on LaBarge's restaurant. It's kind of what we prided ourselves in was always buying Alaskan king crab, Bristol Bay king crab. So this is kind of the first time um, that we're having to go you know, buy Russian crab or Norwegian crab, um, basically just to stay in business um, because the crab season is closed. Next season, she'll still have other Alaskan crabs like Dungeness, Snow, or Tanner, but not Kings. And there's still high demand for crab, especially overseas. Labarge says that there's usually a big rush for crab around Chinese New Year's. Combine that demand with increased inflation, and it's made the price of all species of crab go up. A lot. I mean, we're double in our pricing, which is a shock to people who have been longtime customers, um, you know, but it is what it is. We're all just trying to survive. Normally, LaBarge already has all her crab purchased for the next tourism season. But with the high prices, she says it didn't make sense for her to do that. She's hoping the prices will go down after the holidays and she can buy her crab then. But she also doesn't want to wait too long and then not have enough crab either. The barge says this next tourism season will make or break her business. This year's season was better than 2020, but she still operated at a loss, and she can only do that for so long. The one thing we're good at is we're good at adjusting our menu. We're good at adjusting our labor. Um, this is 17 years now we've been doing this, so we're pretty good good at adjusting to the market, but this has been a not a fun one. <laughs> LaBarge thinks sales next year will be better than this year. 